Happy Easter. Now it's time for a little audience participation. The Lord is risen. Hallelujah. Let's try it again. The Lord is risen. Great. This particular gospel that I just read for you is my most favorite piece of writing in the entire Bible. When I was going through RCIA, we were required, I was going to say requested, but we were required, present company accepted, sister, but the person that ran our RCIA was an ex-nun, and she required us to pull out a verse out of the Bible. Now, I was a Methodist, well, I was Methodish, so I wasn't one of those people that, you know, the stereotype of Protestants that run around quoting the Bible left and right and up and down. So I always kind of had an affinity for John, so I opened up my Bible to John, and I just opened up to a random page, and there was chapters 19 and 20, and I thought, well, I kind of like 20, so I read chapter 20. And when I got to this last line that said, blessed are those who have not seen and still believe, that just grabbed me because that was me. I was always a math science kind of guy. Um, so I always had to see things and touch things, feel things, hear things to believe in them. But I knew that wasn't where I needed to be. So that verse just spoke to me so profoundly. That's the one I picked to put on our little cards that they gave to all the parishioners to pray for us. That's on the back of my ordination cards. And on the front is a picture of a, a famous statue. It's in a, in a, on the outside of a church of Thomas putting his hand into Jesus' side. So when I get to preach on this, this gospel reading today, it really it kind of it really warms my heart. Let me put it that way. Now, the gospel today doesn't tell us where Thomas was or what he was doing on that first Easter Sunday. He was, however, most likely walking the streets of Jerusalem, listening to people talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. Some would have been saying how unjust it was, but I imagine many were saying how ridiculous those followers of Jesus were to believe any of this. And I believe wherever Thomas was and whatever he was doing, the shock of Jesus' death was distressing in his mind and in his heart. His spirit was crushed. He just didn't want to believe anymore. Thomas was losing his faith. And I believed this because we live in a time where the spirits of many are crushed. We experience such evil and deceit and cruelty in our world. And everywhere we turn, we're inundated with, with media and with every different opinion there could possibly be. 
I think we begin to be somewhat like Pilate that we heard last week in saying, what is truth? And we doubt. And like Thomas, we may even stray from the source of all truth, our risen Christ. And the farther we stray, the more the baggage of our doubts weigh us down to the point where we eventually begin to lose hope. And that was the situation that Thomas found himself in. He just could not bring himself to believe anymore. His heart was too broken. And just as Thomas was not there when Jesus entered the locked up room for the first time, neither were we. But we were also not there the second time that Jesus appeared to the disciples. But Thomas, who was called Didymus, which means the twin, our twin, was there. He was there to express our doubts. He was there in our place to put unworthy fingers into the nail marks and unclean hands into the side of Jesus. But in his mercy, Jesus appeared to Thomas to relieve him of the burden of these doubts, to heal his broken heart, to restore his faith. And that's what Jesus wants to do for us on this Divine Mercy Sunday. Jesus came to save sinners, and he died on that cross so that all of us could find forgiveness. And there is no one so sinful that he or she cannot turn to Jesus and through his grace become a great saint. Jesus said as much through, to us through St. Faustina in her visions when he said, the greater the sinner, the more right he has to my mercy. All we need to do is find the faith strong enough to reach out and touch the wounds of our risen Christ, and we will experience his infinite mercy. Yes, Thomas was there in that upper room, in our place. He was there so that we can put all our hope and faith in the risen Christ. He was there so that we may have the faith to say, my Lord and my God. Thomas came to believe and feel the mercy of Christ because he saw the risen Lord. For the rest of us, well, we have to rely on our faith. And to have faith is to obey what God commands. To obey is to want to follow the word of God. We want to obey God's commands because he is truth. God is our merciful Father who wants us to be in a loving relationship with him. But God also gives us free will. We have free will, so we're just not expected to blindly follow God. We must choose to love God. This is how we receive the divine mercy of Christ. This is how we have faith. You know, faith is both a noun and a verb. And as a noun, it is the truth we believe that Jesus is the Son of God who gave up his human form on this, in his life for our forgiveness of our sins. And as a verb, faith is our response to God's revelation to us. 
We show this response when we recite the creed. We show our response every time we put the needs of others in front of our needs or wants. Faith is also a personal commitment to God. The first commandment requires us to love God with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our souls. And we, we perform acts of faith when we rejoice in our faith, when we participate in the sacraments, when we live by the Ten Commandments, and especially when we pray. Faith is reasonable. We do not believe everything God tells us in the Bible because these things seem so normal. Uh, no, we believe in God's word because of the majesty of God. We believe because God cannot deceive us or be, be deceived by us. And we believe because God gives us signs, the signs that the miracles that Jesus performed 2,000 years ago and the signs that we see even to this day through the intercession of God's saints. Faith is necessary. We must believe in God and believe in Christ to be saved. God created us as immortal souls. We must walk in faith in this life to stay on the path to life with God in the next. St. John says, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I shall raise him on the last day. And in the letter to the Hebrews, St. Paul tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. No one can have a eternal salvation without faith. And faith is a gift. And as with any precious gift, we must be careful not to destroy it. We must be careful not to lose it. We must treat it like a living creature and feed it with the Word of God. We must protect it always and ask the Holy Spirit to increase it in us. We make our faith stronger by doing works of charity for our sisters and brothers. We also make it stronger by the hope we have in our hearts that God wants us there in heaven with all of those who have gone before us. You know, faith is a total giving of our hearts and minds to belief that Jesus Christ was the human form of God on earth. It is the belief that God still lives among us through the Holy Spirit. And it is through our faith that we obediently pledge ourselves to God and put all our trust and hope in God. According to St. Paul, faith is the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. So as we approach the altar of the divine mercy today, may we pray for God's grace to challenge ourselves to do something each and every day which makes our faith stronger, to spend more time reading the Bible, to spend more time in prayer, to make the most of every opportunity we have to help our sisters and brothers, and to love God with all our heart, our mind, and our soul.